So good morning and welcome to Parenting Podcast Live at Brentwood Oaks. In this 12-week class, we are inviting guests into the classroom to help us answer the question, how do I talk to my kids about blank? And then we're filling in the blank with topics that have been selected by the class um, through a survey. And as people who have kids and who work with kids, it's so critical that we learn to navigate these conversations with each other and then translate that to how we talk to our kids about it. So as with everything, this is not meant to be an all-inclusive conversation about this topic. It's just meant to kind of get the ball rolling, get us um, thinking about it, talking about it, and then we can continue that conversation uh, in the years to come. So I wanted to introduce this morning, no strangers to us, Jeff and Jackie Boyd. Thank you for joining us this morning. Um, So I have a quick bio for them. They've been married 33 years. They have three kids. Their twin girls are 27, and their son is 25. Um, Jackie has been the children's minister here at Brentwood for 15 years. Yes, Yes. that's what Jeff said. Okay, 15 years. (laughs) And then Jeff is actually a Supreme Court Justice for the state of Texas. So today we're going to be talking, how do we talk to our kids about politics? So we have kind of both sides of that well represented here, (laughs) the the kids and the the politics side of it. Um, And then people who obviously raised their kids around some of that. So we're thankful to have y'all here. Thank you. Um, so just to get started, one of the tones we've been trying to set for the class and that a lot of speakers have said is that really no topic should be off limits when we're talking to our kids. They, we should be open to their questions and not, um, not really try to sweep any of that under the rug. And so this is a topic that you hear a lot of people say, let's avoid, let's not talk about politics. And we see from our responses from the text poll, There's a range, one person says they love talking about it and that they usually agree and it's very respectful. Um, But other than that, you know, this is a topic that we could all use a little improvement on, I think. So um, let's get started with uh, raise your hand poll. Who voted for Hillary? Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. That was great. But I do want to ask you, Jeff, what has been your experience as a Christian in politics? Uh, well, thanks for having us back. We love. We wish we were younger and could be part of the home builders class. I but, know. So we just keep finding ways to sneak in <laughs> as often right. as we can. Yeah, we'll be the chaperones. Everybody needs that old couple that sits in the corner and, you know, cleans up at the end of the night. Um, we're now the old couple. Yes, we are. Um, anyway, it's always good to be back with you. So... Uh, we are involved in politics, um, really by default, more than choice. Um, uh, neither of us were active in politics in any way growing up. Our families weren't active in politics. Uh, I was an Air Force brat, so we were very patriotic. Uh, you know, I grew up on Air Force bases and um, uh, had this kind of upbringing with great appreciation for um, America and for the soldiers who served and, and all of that. Uh, but politics was just never something that we we got involved in. Um, and really, honestly, I think w- while I was practicing law, I got to know people who were judges locally or state reps locally or running for judge. And 
And so people here at Brentwood would come up to me and say, so who, who do, do you know this person that's running for this? And, and so somewhere along the way, I started making a list of here's who I'm going to vote for in this upcoming election. Uh, and if I didn't know anybody, I'd do the research and ask around and try and find. And then I would uh, started sending that out by, by request to a few people. And then before you knew it, I w was sending it out to lots of people here at Brentwood, uh, just saying, look, I'm not even going to try to argue why or anything else, but let me just give you a little bit basic information of each of them. And here's how I'm leaning to vote. Because, you know, you go down there and you work your way down the ballot and you don't know who these people are, and it's almost impossible to find out who they are. Um, and so that was about as political as we got, I think, grow, raising our kids. Um, but the opportunity came up to serve as a judge, and in Texas, we elect our judges. And uh, it, it, was, uh, it was not something we sought. I was serving as the governor's chief of staff, which sounds like I'm involved in politics, <laughs> but it's really not. I mean, I, was, yeah. I worked for the attorney general as head of litigation and then later worked for the governor as his general counsel and as chief of staff B but in both cases I was just the lawyer you know it really wasn't um, uh, it, it wasn't me being involved in politics it was me being a lawyer for politicians for for public uh, servants so uh, when this opportunity came up and the the governor said i want to appoint you to the supreme court my initial response was no 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 because you have to run for that it's a statewide election um and he said oh that's easy we'll you know we'll we'll c connect you with all the right advisors and uh, all of that and i said well you better this was a thursday i said you, you better give me till monday because if nothing else i got to go talk to my wife about <laughs> this um, and I did, and we talked that weekend and prayed about it, and I called him Sunday and said, you know, I should have said yes right away. You can't say no to that. But as a result, we've had to be involved in politics, and um, uh, which means traveling and meeting people and running for election, and, and so that's been our, our experience and kind of how we got into it. Great. We're late bloomers. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it gives us all hope if anyone has that aspiration in their life and haven't gone down that road yet. <laughs> um, so you mentioned patriotism growing up. And so how do patriotism and Christianity intersect? And is patriotism, is that something that a Christian should be striving for? Yeah. Um, so I mentioned, yeah, I'm, um, growing up as an Air Force brat, I, I distinctly remember the year that my dad served in Vietnam was 69 to 70 and he had a year in Vietnam and we moved to Del Rio because <clears throat> my mother knew another lady whose husband was being shipped to Vietnam and they wanted to find houses close to one another and raise, we were one of four kids they had five and so we lived right there by each other and kind of our own little commune without dads for a year and took care of each other but I I remember the back of the um, station wagon my mother drove had a bumper sticker and on the left side of it was a flag and the right side of it was a cross and in the middle it said why not both with a question mark i was third grade and i remember asking her what is that and she said well you know there are people that don't think christians should be serving their country or involved in any kind of patriotic and certainly not the military and and we think they should and so I remember that's kind of the influence I had 
growing up. On the other hand, we lived overseas. Uh, I, I spent three years of high school in Germany and so, and traveled overseas a lot. And so I, I didn't have this view that, you know, America is God's chosen country and the only place worth living in in the world. I had been other in other places that were good places, you know. <laughs> Um, more recently, we've traveled a lot, and there have been places I wouldn't want to be, uh, South Sudan. I don't want to be living in South Sudan, where I was able to go a couple summers ago. Um, but I, th I do think that, that where, you know, it's our objective or our calling to, to, to serve people where we are and make things better for people where we are. Uh, and I think that includes... Um, having a the best government we can have the the both by design and in the way it operates um and so i do think that there's a i don't think god is a cowboys fan you know what i'm saying i mean <laughs> uh -huh. i don't think he's a yeah. usa fan but i do think he's blessed this country like he's blessed other countries and i think this is where we are and we have a responsibility to make it better mm -hmm. yeah jackie any I don't no. want to leave you out of the conversation. No, it's fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if we were talking about teaching Bible stories to children, I would take the lead, but... <laughs> I know. Well, we appreciate... I'm here for moral support. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a team effort. So sure. I did want to mention... Um, so one thing I know this church love, loves is C.S. Lewis. And in his book, Screwtape Letters, there is a portion where Screwtape, who's the uncle, I'm not going to read this because it's very C.S. Lewis-y, but this is the excerpt. I just have kind of written a, um, a, not a summary, thank you, of it. So he encourages his nephew to tempt his subject using politics. The head demon says that it doesn't really matter which party he joins. The important thing is that in drawing the Christian away is making sure that the party politics become part of the religion. And from there, the politics become the most important part of the religion. And then the conclusion of that is that the religion just becomes the means to the political end. It's kind of what he's getting at here. So my question is, when do you think our political beliefs become problematic as Christians? Well, I would say, as in most things, when they are no longer God-honoring, um, then it's a problem. And, and I think we see that in our political climate and world. Um, when it becomes the God or when it becomes the most important thing, it's wrong. Mm -hmm. Then there's the problem. We actually see, we see it a lot. So I, <clears throat> um, we... I've got eight colleagues who are all statewide elected officials, and we get to know them very well and their families very well. And some of them lean very active in politics, whether they were an elected official or not, and others stay as far away from it as they possibly can while still <laughs> having been elected. Um, we we hang out uh, from time to time at you know local party meetings or Republican women's club. There's nothing like any of you Republican women club members. <laughs> okay, there is nothing like a Republican women's club meeting. Uh, trust me on this. Two weeks ago, I was at the annual statewide Texans Federation for Republican Women uh, conference, and it's just. I mean, I love a lot of it. I mean, it's just crazy, but. Uh, but most of them are very strong Christian believers, and they believe that what they're all that one of them was honored for having um, 
recorded uh, 5,500 hours on behalf of the party in the last two years. So that's like 22, I mean, that's like lawyer billing numbers, you know, I mean, that's like really, and I think, wow, what, how do you do anything else? But, you know, Jackie and I were talking and thinking most of us, um, particularly in Churches of Christ, have been raised not to be very involved in it. Um, I think we all mostly were raised to know the importance of going to vote and, and being educated and, and voting well, um, wisely, but beyond that, sort of staying out of it. But uh, we were talking about what would it take, though, to change your mind about that? Um, so, for example, right now, because of the laws of this country, you have to give your kids over to the state for six or seven hours a day to educate your kids. Now, you have the option, because of our Constitution, to say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to send them to a private school, or I'm going to homeschool, or I'm going to do something else. And so the system works in a way that you're okay with it, and you get to make that choice. Uh, but what if you didn't? I mean, what if they passed a law that said, you know, on their fifth birthday, you turn them over to the state, and they'll bring them back to you on their seventh birthday? <laughs> Tempting, I mean, We need I to know, educate. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's important to educate the children of this country and to make sure they're getting the right education. And the only way to really do that well is to take them from you for two years and put them in a boarding school up in Dallas, and then when they're seven, you can, would you get involved then? <laughs> right? I mean, there is some point at which you would say, okay, enough's enough. I'm getting active. Something's got to change. Um, well, for the people we hang out with, we're already there. I mean, the, the, the uh, degradation of traditional marriage or the, whatever topic you want to pick, We've already gone too far, and, and we've got, and that's why they're active. So I don't ever uh, discount their sincerity or um, disrespect what they're doing because of that. They, they have that conviction as Christians that we're already there. And whether, we, whether you or I may agree with that or not is just a matter of degree because we could get there. And so... I think the concept of whether Christians should be active in your society, whether you live in the U.S. or Brazil or Germany, wherever else, I think we're all ultimately okay with that concept. It's just a question of how much is it going to take to get us active and, and how to be active, which is, I think, is the bigger challenge, how to effectively, as salt and light, be active. Mm -hmm. So what do you think the impact is on kids, then, if you're either... <clears throat> you know, overly active and it becomes like your religion or you're very, on the other end of that, very apathetic and you don't, you're not working to try to make the your country, your community a better place. How does that read to our kids and what is kind of the result of that, do you think? I think, again, as in any category, mm -hmm. politics or right. whatever, um, your kids are looking to you. They're learning from you. To some degree, they're, parrot, they're parrots. Um, when Jeff and I were talking about this, I said, you probably as parents would be surprised at how many comments I hear in a Bible class. <laughs> and I go, well, that was mom or dad, right. you know. Um, but politics is one. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting to hear a little bitty child go, ooh, Trump, <laughs> you know, or... Um, 
you know, I love Obama. And I think, do you even know who he is? (laughs) So they repeat. Mm -hmm. And so um, I do think as parents, you have to be super careful um, about the message that you are giving to your children because they are repeating it. Um, And in many areas, not just politics, but in politics, uh, you know, we did not, um, like I said, we're late bloomers. I hate to say it wasn't important to us. We just, when our kids were little, it was not, um, it was not a huge priority. It was not something that we um, talked about or were involved in. You know, our girls were in college. And, uh, and when Jeff became a judge, mm-hmm. um, so they were already out of the house. <laughs> Carter was still in high school. Um, and really, I realized then we'd kind of robbed them of um, just basic knowledge, which is embarrassing now. You know, one of our girls will say, I don't even know what a judge does. That's an <laughs> exaggeration. Right. But um, <coughs> y'all are going, I know which one that was. <laughs> Um, but just she, she will say things that make me realize we did not teach them. We, we were not um, openly talking about politics in our home. I, I, I hate to even say talking about politics, but right. educating them on government and right. on how our countries run. Yes. And, um, and then what is our role as a family in that? Mm-hmm. I wish we had done more of that, uh, especially when they were little. Um, so that now they are comfortable with and um, have pride in and want to be involved in um, and want to know more. So I wish that we had done that. So for those of you who are still there, uh, I don't think it's something to be afraid of or to um, think, oh, I don't want my kids to know or do this. I think it's our responsibility. Mm -hmm. Um, You're gonna live here and grow up here. Well, you should know how it's being run, who's running it, and what part can you play in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you can do that early on. So rather than having your kids just repeat, ooh, Trump, well, who is Trump and what is he doing? And whether I agree with him or not, there's a certain amount of respect because he's the leader of this country, same for whoever. Um, so I do think it, as parents, you have an obligation and a responsibility to um, Teach them respect mm-hmm. first and foremost, um, because our country is designed where we have leaders. Right. Just like I'm the leader of the home, and I, ex- well. <laughs> <laughs> we know it's well. <laughs> Sorry about that, dear. <coughs> Didn't mean to tell everyone. <laughs> He's the leader in the courtroom, I'm the leader at the house, no. Um, but we as parents are head of the house. Right. And we expect a certain amount of respect and obedience and, you know, and you don't get, I was going to say you don't get a vote. Um, that didn't, that doesn't play well. But to, to help them then understand there's that same hierarchy and that same amount of respect that we owe to our leaders. So yeah, I don't know great. if that answered your question. No, well. it does. And um, I'm, I do want to ask one more question before we uh, open it up to the room, but this your response made me think of First um, Timothy two one through four. Not that one. Nope, not that one. It is this, oh this one. Sorry. Um, 
So first of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So in talking about respecting um, the leaders of the country, what? how can we be praying with our kids for leaders and authorities? Um, and you mentioned, like, especially if we either agree with them, don't agree with them, whatever side we're on, how should we we be praying for all of the leaders and authorities and involving our kids in I'm that? I'm not even sure it's so much how as, as um, how often. I, I mean, I, I think you know, two or three times a year I'll get uh, a, a letter in the mail, and it'll be from, and it's not the same one every time, it's a different one every time, uh, typically a rural Baptist church, and it's the adult Bible school, and it'll say, Dear blank, and they'll write Justice Boyd, we just want you to know that in our cycle of praying for our leaders, we prayed for you this morning, and then it'll have some nice thing about it, and then everyone that was in class that morning will sign it, and they'll send it to me. I don't know these people at all. But I love getting, I, I handwrite letters back to them and, and thank them for it because um, they take seriously this scripture that you just read. Um, I don't know how many of you, you know, you, you have your bedtime prayers have taught your kids and dear God, we pray for wisdom for our president and for our governor and for our elders of the church and for, and I no, we kind of grew, I kind of grew up that way because as a military family, we prayed for our leaders. Um, I don't know that we do a whole lot of that anymore, and I would encourage you to do it and, and make a rotation of them and pray by name because, uh, you know, a lot of the stuff that we hate about politics today, which I hate too, I think is the result of people not having grown up learning to respect leaders. Um, and so if it's, you know, if it's Trump, we hate him. If it's Obama, we love him. Or if it's Obama, we hate him. But if it's Trump, we love him. And to be respectful, you know, when Travis Walters walks by, I call him Colonel. I don't call him Travis because he, he has that rank. And, and I, we're friends. We're neighbors. We live right down the street from each other. When I see Logan, mm -hmm. Logan Smith, I call him Sergeant. I mean, he's earned that rank professionally and I think he deserves that respect so I um, uh, Dr. Weed and, and he'd always say it's Michael <laughs> I know but it's Dr. Weed to me. I mean it's just and I think by by learning to pray for people by name as children we learn an amount of respect which doesn't mean you have to agree with them uh, and and it may be that you're really praying for wisdom somebody once said there's nothing worse than a dumb judge who works really hard, right? Um, and the same thing is, you know, if they're a terrible leader, you don't want to pray that they're real effective in their leadership. You want to pray that they get some wisdom. But, but those are lessons I think kids can learn when we pray with them for that. Can I add really quickly, just as an example, we have a, a child here at church who's being taught 
obviously by the things that she does, but she refers to him as your honor. I always. was going to ask that. Should we call you justice? No. Always. <laughs> <laughs> but this little, this, um, she's in junior high now, but she has always referred to him as your honor. And when she sees him, she says, hi, good morning, your honor. Well, she, she learned that somewhere. You know, Jeff did not say, please call me your honor. <laughs> um, he never would. But she is being taught just a certain amount of respect for leaders. I'm not saying that so that y'all will have your children call him your honor. Um, but it's just interesting that you know in her home, and I, you can tell in other ways too, she's being taught this. <coughs> I, and I, I think when you go vote, take your little kids with you. Hmm. And explain to them what you're doing and why and why you think it's important. And, you know, I do have a much, um, what's the Sorry. right word? I didn't mean to put it up. I have, I have just a whole lot more confidence in what God's doing in this world than a lot of the really active Christian people, po- politically active Christians that I'm with. And I, so I'm a little bit more okay Um, than most of them with the idea that, look, I'm not all that worried about this right now. God's going to take care of it, whatever these issues, hot topic issues are. But but like I say, there are, for all of us, I think, at some point at which we're like, okay, enough's enough. I got to get involved. Um, I do want to open it up. i sorry, I put this up a little bit prematurely, the next text question. Um, But before we jump into kind of the way that we talk about politics and how ugly that can become. Does, are there any questions from the class um, for Jeff and Jackie on anything we've talked about so far? It's okay if not, because we got lots more questions. I do have one. Um, any sources for like, children just to introduce them to what politics is and why, people, why it's okay to have, have differing views um, but still be a Christian? Any, any resources <coughs> you've sent people to obviously we have the bible and we can apply those to life lessons but any specific ones for politics that's a great question and i don't i don't have an answer i mean i the answer is no i don't <laughs> know any but that's a great that's something i'll look into to see i know there's there some children's books <laughs> yeah, yeah. <coughs> give me till wednesday yeah. we'll circulate a list because i know there are some children's books that i've heard others talk mm-hmm. about we didn't use them Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't have an answer like here's a book but I think just getting to know Christians of differing beliefs because there are Christians on all sides of parties and all sides of issues mm-hmm. and so just introducing them and talking to them and exposing to multiple viewpoints um, about political issues which I think is where some of this comes in so the question was <coughs> Excuse me. How many people have you unfriended or stopped following on social media due to the way they talk about politics? And I just realized that I didn't put zero up there as an option. I just kind of assumed everybody had done it. <laughs> we see four people said one to three. Um, most of our class majority, or well, seven said they've unfollowed four to six people. And then we have five people who've said ten or more. Um, and so I have a couple of scriptures here uh, just kind of talking about (laughs) the way we talk about things as Christians because these things, strife and quarreling and the things that often come up when we're talking about politics, they're really symptoms of 
weak faith and they're not fitting for a Christian. Um, and so here we have in Proverbs 10, 12, hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all wrongs. James 4, 1, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? And then um, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. <coughs> Excuse me. You know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. So um, how do we address social issues and political issues in word and deed without making them so divisive, um, so politically charged, and so ugly often. <laughs> I just, I think one thing is to, um, I'm gonna repeat, repeat a phrase I've been using, is to not think too highly of your own opinion. Mm. And I think we all think we're so right. Um, and I think not thinking so highly of our own opinion can help in that um, situation where you're open to, okay, this is what I believe. Um, I try to use the term with our kids and like in an elders meeting or a, a meeting is, um, is there any value to mm. verse, if I'm trying to introduce something versus, well, I think, or we should, or with a kid, you should. I try to say, do you think there's any value in? So again, in, with politics, approaching it from the I don't necessarily have the answer, mm -hmm. and my opinion is just that. It's just my opinion, and it may not be 100% um, right. Uh, so it's just, I think, a humility that um, we're all different. And in this room, we probably represent, you know, the 25 different um, ideas on a scale. Um, and I think respecting that <coughs> and understanding that is the beginning of you know, conversations and um, addressing political issues and social issues in a healthy way. Well, what the verse says is have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. Well, what about the other kind? Of <laughs> I mean, and that and that's the problem is right, trying right. to figure out, okay, wait a minute, is this a foolish, ignorant one? Or is this a very important controversy. And that's kind of the point I was making earlier with the example of, you know, making your kids go off to boarding school is there is this line. And so um, I, I don't, I have to have a social media presence. It's just part of running for office. You have to put stuff up there. And uh, I don't ever, fortunately, being a judge, you're not allowed to talk about the issues because you can't provide any indication publicly as to how you might rule when that issue comes before your court. You can't show some pr having prejudged it, prejudice. You can't show having prejudged it. And so I just can, can check out and stay out of them, which makes it very easy for me to see all that's going on there in social media and be very critical of it. Oh man, enough, enough already, you know? And I do hate how uh, I, I thought there was a word up there, but how just um, uncaring and angry people can be with it. Um, on the other hand, there are controversies that aren't foolish and ignorant, and maybe we ought to be speaking out about them in effective ways. Uh, and that's the challenge, is figuring out where to draw that line. Like I say, there, 
you know, a lot of people think the, the gender identity and, and same-sex marriage and those kinds of, that, the, that that is the issue that will undermine this country forever. I mean, that's, that's their view. And so they feel like that's no different than if you wanted to take my kids away. I, I have to fight against that. Um, and, and so I get that. I get where they're coming from. And I think we've all got to figure out where to draw those lines. Well, and I think what's key about the verse, too, is that it says, able to teach, patiently enduring, mm-hmm. evil, correcting opponents with gentleness. So even right. in those issues that are over the line for us, there's still a way that we right. talk about it that um, can lead to a knowledge of the truth. Or um, it, it's just I Christians can be a light in these conversations, even in the way we talk about it and being mm-hmm. different from the way others talk mm-hmm. about it, right. I think. Um and so obviously we're not going to be talking a lot of specifics. Well, you mentioned the kids parroting things. I do have one funny story. My friend said her four-year-old came home from preschool and said, I learned today that we have a president and his name is Dump Truck. And she was like, what? And she had taken Donald Trump and had made a dump truck. But and she was like, you, what is your teacher teaching you? But... Um, they had a laugh about that. But so we're not going to be talking specifics with them on a lot of these mm-hmm. things. So, but they pick up so much just from the way that we react um, and how big we react, either positively, negatively. So how much do our actions and reactions to things politically rub off on our kids? Um, I know you kind of mentioned that a little bit, but. Yeah, I think um, I think they uh, kind of adopt the the climate of the home and the um, attitude of the parent. And so um, if you have, you know, a real strong, um, aggressive attitude about politics and you're when you're watching the news, you're constantly, you know, making comments or something, I do think that rubs off on them. And then they become that, they have that attitude. And so that's where I think you guys now in your stage of life, your kids are they're looking to you and they're learning and this is an opportunity for you to really help them learn to um, on their level see these issues and think about how do I feel about this and and in a respectful way how should what should we do and you know it's an opportunity then to pray for leaders or legislators or whoever can make a difference in this situation so it's just another of the many learning opportunities that you guys have um, and I know many of you are doing that. Just keep well, it up. What about outside of kind of the political process? Do you have any ideas for how we can engage kids in, in making a difference in trying to, you know, maybe move the needle on some of these issues just outside of politics? So in, so in terms of social issues? Yeah, or? right. Um, I th- may have a poli- an element of policy, right. but... Also, there could be some individual responsibility right. that. Well, I think just as you're trying to raise good, godly kids, and so tonight's walk for water is an example, um, and, and that's an issue. Water for, you know, people who don't have easy access to it. Um, and so by bringing our kids to that tonight, we're educating them, and we're saying, this is an issue. We walk to the fountain. We... Um, throw away water bottles every day, you know, just educating them on our excess versus another country's um, 
complete lack of. And it, so it helps them learn this social issue. And then, hey, I get to participate. I get to bring my water bottle. I get to put quarters in it. I get to turn that in, but then I get to go and walk four miles. And so then talking about it while you're walking. This is how far a little girl in Haiti has to walk with her jug just to get water. So that's a great example. Um, and I keep pointing to Amber, thank you for bringing that kind of opportunity <coughs> to parents. And that, and you can repeat that in so many areas. Um, Austin, we live in a place where you have lots of opportunity to involve your kids. I would be careful, you know, and find that right balance um, to create respectful activist, if you know, if you're going to do that. Um, but what, what a great opportunity from everything from water in other countries to all the different issues that, um, so include them to the degree that you should, that is God honoring and that you can do respectfully so that you don't create, do I have time to tell, I'm gonna, yeah. that little story about, um, Abby has some florist friends who are from Portland and they needed a place to stay for a week. It was two women. They run a business in Portland and Austin. Um, fabulous, successful florists. They're young, they have husbands, and they were all coming to stay with us for a week. One of them had a little girl. And one day, I'm in the kitchen, the two dads are at the table on their electronics, and the little girl's just kind of wandering around. Well, I went and picked her up, and I said, where's your books? Because I had seen some toys. And um, so I go over to my coffee table and pick up her book. And I was like, I could not believe. And I'm not going to say because some of you may have the book. For me, I was like, oh, my word. And, and so I made some comments out loud about, um, I was joking. That I knew the dad was sitting there listening to me. You have to give some indication of what the book was. <laughs> all kind of wait, what? It was, it was, um, it was encouraging her uh, feminism and um but this is a one-year-old and it was a board book and i come to find out it's part of a whole series it, and it's yes but i i was caught i had never seen the book and i was surprised by it well then i began to joke and because i knew the dad was listening and so i picked up the book and i said oh, come with me baby girl i said we'll go into the kitchen barefoot and <laughs> i'll teach you to cook you know and i was exaggerating well dad number two who does not have the child he he looks up from his computer and he's looking at me and he's kind of laughing and later he told me he said you were cracking me up <laughs> i said i was just I was surprised. So they're starting early. Mm -hmm. You know, they're starting with a one-year-old to teach her. Um, that That is going to, she is going to parrot and reflect their beliefs in that. Okay, great. Um, as long as those are God-honoring beliefs and um, in all across the board. I'm not talking now specifically about that book. So yes, you have opportunity. Take advantage of them. You're smart, wise people. Um, a lot of this, Jeff and I did say, is common sense. You know, as Christians, use your good, God-given common sense when you're raising them in all areas. <coughs> Thank you. And I think a scripture that a lot of times we turn to when we're talking about um, governing authorities is Romans 13, 1 through 6. Um, I don't want to read all of it just for the sake of time, um, but I do have it up on the screen, and it's about being subject to the authorities in place. So one question I have, um, and it has a little bit to do with how we get our kids involved, 
but in this country we have a right to protest and a right to free speech and so um, do you think doing something like that getting active in that way that is more of a protest that is more against a policy that's in place you can do that and still be in line with what this scripture is trying to teach us you first no go ahead <laughs> that one's not on here <laughs> sorry yeah so i mean that's that's kind of I, I was able to sit in here when Mark Ship was your guest. I haven't been at all the others, but as I understand it, the purpose of this class is to deal with hard questions, mm -hmm. and that's one of the really hard questions. So you've got the scripture uh, that says, be subject to your authorities. Well, does that mean you can't speak out and say, I disagree with this? I think I, I want to encourage others to come vote against this because it's not. So protesting, you know, we see on <coughs> social media the the protests, the Antifa and all that kind of stuff that's going on and we think that. Um, but what about the MLK Day's protests and the march across the bridge? And so I, um, I don't think you're not being subject to your authorities by standing up for Christian principles and for what you believe, particularly in a democracy where it'd be different if we were in a dictatorship where you weren't allowed to do these things. Uh, if you did them anyway, you're violating the law and you're just totally disregarding and disobeying. Well, here you have, we have that right. I mean, that's what our country's based on. That's not refusing to be subject to authorities. That's actually working within all the rights that are, uh, we're holding our authorities accountable, which is the way it's designed to be. So I do think there's a, a role for that. It's, you know, who was it? Um, St. Thomas More. You know, there's a Catholic church out here off 620 named St. Thomas More, and he was a, a guy that uh, lived back in the 14 and 1500s. And he was the one that when King Henry VIII decided he wanted a divorce from Catherine, I think, um, and the Catholic church wouldn't let him get divorced, or annulled, I think it was annulled, then King Henry said, well, then we're getting rid of the, the, why would some church in Rome get to decide us? We're creating the Church of England. And Thomas More was a scholar and, and um, a religious scholar and, and lawyer in England, and he just refused to bless that, and he argued against it and ended up being executed because of it. And the last thing he said on the gallows was, I die the king's good servant, but God's first. And I think that's kind of the balance. We're, I mean, he, we, we need to be the king's good servant, but God's first. And, and that's the challenge is how do we, how do, we do both um, while keeping God first? Are there any, <coughs> excuse me, in the last couple minutes, any other questions from the class? Um, in, in a minute, would one of y'all mind leave closing us in prayer? Any other questions? Oh, yeah, Aubrey. Um, so say, hypothetically, you live in a household that um, can get those rather heated Thanksgiving <laughs> conversations. Um, what is, like, just because I'm certain that you have a lot of experience with dealing with people who have very different viewpoints, how do you, what do you recommend, like, how do you most effectively diffuse the situation? Because if you try to walk away from it, that sometimes encourages badgering. So, like, <laughs> throw water on the fire. Yeah, that's a great question, and, and I do. I mean, we, we get in these 
I'll be invited to go speak, and if you go to a, it doesn't matter if it's a Democratic Party club or Republican Party club or Green Party club or whoever, you go to their club meetings, there's always at least one person that's just going to make life miserable for you because there, it just is. There's just always that one that's, you know, literally crazy. I mean, there are some that are, um, but uh, especially when I was running in 2014, which was kind of the, you still had the Tea Party kind of thing going on, and the, and there would always be like two or three people who would just compete to show they were the most conservative person in the room. And so they would want to ask questions or say things to get you to respond in your Q&A, um, where they were competing with each other and just uh, making it real hard to, to do it. Fortunately, I can say, well, as a judge, I just can't comment on it. <laughs> right? That makes it easier for me. But the scripture that I always try and keep in mind is um, to be slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to become angry. Was that James? Right? Out of James. Be slow, uh, uh, slow to speak, quick to listen, and slow to become angry. And I try and just kind of let that churn in my head all the time when I'm in those kind of settings. I think there's nothing wrong with saying, yeah, you know, I just don't know. Well, you don't know. Well, couldn't you? How could you not want to? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm going to think about that. Instead of trying to engage them. Because, I mean, we're all pretty good socially enough to know when engaging on an issue could be helpful and when it's just a waste of time. And I think there's nothing wrong with saying, yeah, I'm just not sure about that. Um, otherwise, I, I just think we have the sense that we have to be the ones with the answers. And I think some humility and I don't know the answers. I, I, I'm thinking, but I, I'll think about it. You know, thank you for sharing that. I mean, a little bit of false flattery can be helpful sometimes. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much. Um, we'll go ahead and close in prayer and then go pick up our kiddos. Sure. Father God, we are thankful for opportunities like this where we can come and um, just talk about how we might honor you in all situations. Thank you for um, the leadership here in this class and for the um, topics that they are bringing forth and I pray father that you would bless the conversations and then that you would give these parents wisdom and courage to um, to go forth and to raise their children to be godly and to um, to honor you in all things um, we thank we're thankful for the opportunity now to worship freely and um, we pray father that you will be glorified in all we do this morning and we pray this through your son's name amen, amen.